1: Bye. Bye. Well, hello, and welcome back to Brave New Teaching. This episode is going to be the first in a series that we're going to dole out, you know, every month, every few months or so. We're going to start focusing on some different heritage celebration months as kind of like a foot in the door, a foray into how we are celebrating these different diverse cultures in our classrooms all year long, but... The celebration months are as good a time as any to introduce these topics and these texts and authors to our classes
0: and to you guys. Hi, Amanda. Hey, happy Hispanic Heritage Month. Woo! I'm so excited that it's almost September. It is September.
1: It is By the September. time this comes out, it is September. Yes. But when we are recording, we are mere days, nay, hours from September 2020. <laughs>
0: <laughs> in in Chicago what that means is like the city is gearing up for some mad parades lots and lots of fun festivities. We have quite a We have a very big uh, Mexican population. We also have a very big Puerto Rican population. Uh, Mexican Independence Day comes up in the middle of the month. So, you know, I'll be going to get myself some pozole, some pambasos. I wonder what that's going to look like here. I
1: mean, I'm in San Diego. So, like, we have Old Town San Diego, which is very steeped in Mexican heritage, especially because of our border with Mexico and, like... There are some amazing parades and amazing festivals. And I do wonder what COVID is going to do to those, like, like there's always, this isn't September, but there's always a day of the dead festival and parade that is so cool. And inevitably I have students who go and come back with pictures and like, it's so fun. And I do wonder (gasps) what that's going to look like this year, but at least we do have some amazing texts so we
0: can jump into things from the page
1: if we can't actually march in the streets. The
0: idea behind this episode, you guys, is that we want to bring to you a variety of Latinx writers that maybe you've heard from before, maybe you haven't, but we want to kind of just give you a little a little dip into some of their work and inspire you or get your creative ideas going as to uh, whether or not you want to share them during this month or if they would make a great pairing with a text that you're already doing another time during the year. Uh, we want to just showcase them for you, read a little passage and give you some ideas. We even have a free download at the end of this episode. Pop over to our show notes and you guys can download a, uh, I'm going to make it on Google Docs for you, basically a close reading template with some of samples from today's episode where you can help your kids look at voice because I think voice and, and, and Latinx writers is so unique and so special that we really wanted to, to gear it that way for you guys. And the other thing we want to
1: make sure is really clear is that we're not saying September is the only time that you can showcase Latinx writers. Like, please, this is an organic way of looking at text that should be happening throughout the entire year, throughout your curriculum. We're just kind of taking it as like foot in the door. Hey, it's a great time to showcase some of our favorite writers. In no way do any of these pieces live in a vacuum in either of our classrooms. And they really shouldn't anywhere because everybody's always a person. I don't really know what that means, but I feel like you guys do. So we're just going to go with it.
0: (laughs) We're going to go with it. And that's kind of why I I, I told Maria, I was like, you know, we should do a little bit of read aloud for people because I think when you hear some of these pieces, that's when you're going to go, oh my gosh, that would be perfect with this other thing that I'm doing, or that would match so well with this other thing I'm doing, you know, at this other time of the year. So we're going to do that for you guys today. And don't forget to check out the show notes, grab our free download. We're also Going to be throwing our very first giveaway associated with this uh, series. So, when we do a, a Heritage Month uh, episode, we also want to give away some books and some swag to celebrate that month. So, make sure you guys head over to the show notes and to Instagram to enter that giveaway. And we are so excited to see who our winner is. And For sure. It's not over, there's still more stuff, Marie. <laughs>
1: This is going to be a heavy intro, guys, because we just have a lot of content and free stuff that we want to tell you about. And then I promise we're going to start the show music in just a minute.
0: Oh, So I also have, guys, and I'll throw it in our show notes, a free lesson plan email series starting. Um, Actually, it's already started. So jump on in. I'll be sending out lesson plans on Sunday night, again, featuring more Latinx writers. Um, So it's more of what you're getting in this episode. So if you need more of it in your life, Hop on over, sign up. I'll get those all sent over to you.
1: Without any further ado,
0: let's cue the music. You're listening to Brave New Teaching, a podcast for educators challenging the status quo. I'm Amanda, and I'm a high school English teacher in Illinois.
1: And I'm Marie, and I'm also a high school English teacher in Southern California. We're so glad you're here. Enjoy the show. Okay, guys, we know that was a really long intro, and thank you for sitting through it with us. It's just one of those things where, A, we want to do right by these beautiful pieces that we have for you today, and by the incredible authors who created them, and B, we get really excited and we nerd out real hard, and then we forget what we're going to say. So when it sounds like we're rambling, we super are. Yeah, that's what's (laughs) going on. (laughs) So, as Amanda mentioned, we do have a giveaway that is going on as of the day that this episode goes live. The giveaway opens and you're gonna get some cool swag, maybe something that has brief new teaching branding on it. But also the two novels that I mention that we're talking about in this episode are going to be included in the giveaway. So make sure that you listen up. But before we get into longer pieces, Amanda's gonna start it off, start us off with. An older, an older, but a gooder. Mm, oldie, but a goodie. I was trying
0: something. It didn't really work out. <laughs> Save me from myself, Amanda. So I think what's really cool about starting this series with Latino writers and Latinx writers is that Latinx writers bring a lot to the table for, for us. And there's a lot to learn from this specific uh, voices of what they have to say. So I think for me, um, one of the things I love about old school Latinx writers is the mythology and the magical realism. There's not a lot of other genres that dip into this. Some Middle Eastern writers do this, um, but it's very, very unique to... Uh, Latin America culturally and historically. So I want to read to you guys a short little passage from um, something that Gabriel Garcia Marquez uh, wrote. So Marquez is a Colombian author. This is written in around the fifties and it's been translated into English. Um, But this is a tough piece uh, very much in the magical realism world, which if you've never taught that before, basically what you'll experience in a story like this is that the, the characters exist regardless of the fantastical and seemingly impossible things that are going on around them. So um, in A Hundred Years of Solitude, another Marquez book, priests are floating. Um, There's a very heavy religious presence, but it's very convoluted and complicated. In this piece, uh, a, a person you'll hear kind of falls from the sky with wings, and they can't decide if he's an angel or just a dude who has buzzard wings and, but everyone's kind of just like going with it. You know, no one's questioning that it's impossible that a human has wings growing out of his back. Um, so it's, it's just a very interesting field to dip your toe into. And I would recommend this particular short story, probably for older students, I'd say like 11th and 12th grade um, is probably a good place to do it. Um, so let me share with you guys the very opening little mini paragraph of how the story goes. On the third day of rain, they had killed so many crabs inside the house that Pileo had to cross his drenched courtyard and throw them into the sea because the newborn child had a temperature all night and they thought it was due to the stench. The world had been sad since Tuesday. Sea and sky were a single ash gray thing in the sands of the beach, which on March nights glimmered like powdered light, had become a stew of mud and rotten shellfish. The light was so weak at noon that when Peleo was coming back to the house after throwing away the crabs, it was hard for him to see what it was that was moving and groaning in the rear of the courtyard. He had to go very close to see that it was an old man, a very old man, lying face down in the mud, who, in spite of his tremendous efforts, couldn't get up, impeded by his enormous wings. And that's how the story starts. And it's pretty short, actually, Marie. So if you're thinking about like class period time, uh, this story probably to work through it with kids would take one class period, I'd say.
1: And it's one of those two that like it's really high level, but yes. because of its brevity, you can dig in, right? Like, so if totally. you wanted to really dig in, if, you're, if your students are not AP or honors, like, or just really high level, you could dig in over a couple of class periods, right? And then like let it move forward. The other really cool thing about, I think Amanda already mentioned it, about the printable um, like manipulative that we have for you guys, for your students to work through voice that's available in our show notes to this episode. Is it also also has with it some exercises that students can do in developing their own voice,
0: and that could be like a great foray into that. Um, yeah, this one, this one, I would totally use. Looking at syntax, I mean, I love that sentence. The world had been sad since Tuesday. I know it's period. It's so good. Oh, yeah, that's just one it's so short. Word. I know. I
1: love showing. I love showing oh. sentences that are like so short, but so
0: full. <laughs> oh, the world had been sad since Tuesday. I, I mean, the world had been sad since March 17th. I was just going to say since March 13th. <laughs> oh, gracious. And even before. So yeah, so there's a little Marquez. That's definitely on the spectrum of what we're going to give you. Probably the most old school. Um, yeah. But and probably the most intense. I would In, say. And, yes, and layered yeah. back into, into the cultural piece of of Latinx writing, um, for sure, for sure.
1: So I have for you an extremely new novel. It's called Mexican Gothic by Silvia Moreno-Garcia, and it is delightful. Like it's just lovely. I think it was in book of the month a couple months ago or something like that. If you saw that come through in your social media feed, it was the one that made me almost pull the trigger on getting myself a book of the month club. I'm so glad that I actually bought it separately because it's just gorgeous. It's about a debutante who has to, she lives in Mexico city and she, um, has to, she's sent away to come to the aid of her cousin who has been married about a year and who lives with her new husband um, out in, like, a rural mountain town. And that's about all I'm going to give you here because it is kind of creepy, kind of eerie, spooky. So good, though. Like, so. And the, what I love about it, and the, like, the little paragraphs that I'm going to read, um, they make this really – cool. like, I would look at these – paragraphs just a quick little short close read looking at like juxtaposition and looking at setting and looking at figurative language and it's when our main character noemi is like going up in a train into this town where she's going to see her cousin who she hasn't seen in a year since her wedding and they like grew up together uh so it's the beginning of chapter two It took her a while therefore to realize that she was headed into a forest for el triunfo was perched on the side of a steep mountain carpeted with colorful wildflowers and covered thickly, thickly, sorry guys, with pines and oaks. Noemi sighted sheep milling around and goats braving sheer rock walls. Silver had given the region its riches, but tallow from these towns had helped illuminate the mines, and they were plentiful. It was all very pretty. The higher the train moved and the closer it got to the town, though, the more the bucolic landscape changed, and Noemi recessed reassessed her idea of it. Deep ravines cut the land and rugged ridges loomed outside the window. What had been charming rivulets turned into strong, gushing rivers, which spelled doom should anyone be dragged by their currents. At the bottom of the mountains, farmers tended groves and fields of alfalfa, but there were no such crops here, just the goats climbing up and down rocks. The land kept its riches in the dark, sprouting, no trees with fruit. The air grew thin as the train struggled up the mountain until it stuttered and stopped. I just love the, like, intense shift. Yes. <laughs> like, immediate, on a dime, Boop, and now we are somewhere else. No longer in a nice little alfalfa town. Now we're in the creepy dark mountain. Yeah,
0: so tone—that's a great way to do teach tone and mood. That's yes. awesome. To it's short, super yeah, moody.
1: It's yeah, and and there's a very clear author's voice, right? So I'm a big fan of this one. And it's not YA, which is generally where I lean. It's it's adult fiction, so it's a bit more literary. And so there's just more to like dig into. So.
0: And, and just to kind of bring this all back to generally, Marie and I, our philosophy in teaching, and if you guys have taken curriculum rehab or you're with us over the summer as we talked about a lot of these things, remember, we, we really think it's beneficial for teachers to think about their units in terms of concepts and, and skills and the big picture and not feel like you have to do a six-week unit on one novel. And when you, when you can kind of zoom out and say like, this unit, we're focusing on this essential question, It makes space for a mini lesson like Marie just read to you to focus on um, the skill of what the author's doing. And it also gives kids an authentic way to experience more text, more variety, more diversity. Um, and so many more voices can enter your room than just the three novels you've prescribed. Absolutely. And so the old way of doing things is not necessarily the bad way, because I think whole class novels are super important. Um, but making room and, cons- you know, giving yourself brain space to incorporate other things is, is really critical. So, um, I, am going to share my next piece with you guys. I'm actually changing gears, Marie. Are you really? I, I wanted to share with you guys, um, some Pablo Neruda, but I think he's pretty accessible and you guys can probably get to him on and your
1: own. every single time I start singing rent.
0: <laughs> 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 Pablo okay. um, he's great. <laughs> he's Ode to a lemon. And I can totally throw some, uh, some notes in the, in the show notes for you. Um, because all of his odes are so fun to imitate. Um, But if we're really going to get into the Latinx experience and Latinx voices, I want to share a newer voice with you guys. This is um, Javier Zamora, and uh, he's an El Salvadorian poet, and he writes a lot about the immigrant experience. And so Marie and I are talking a little bit before the show about what is special about Latinx writers. Um, And one of the things I think is when we hear from a Latinx writer, sometimes we're hearing stories in fiction or poetry or even nonfiction that that maybe a lot of our students or people in our community are too afraid to tell. And I think it's a really powerful moment, not just for us as adults, but for our students to to look at a character and discuss some of these issues and, and not necessarily the immigration policy. We don't need to get into the politics of it, but we can get into the human side of it. I was
1: just going to say, we can get into the humanity of it and we can get into what is, I mean, I'm... Uh, <laughs> I am a white girl from the suburbs of San Diego. So while I've been exposed to a lot of different cultures growing up, I am very much part of that blinded by my privilege until... I have done started doing the work to you know open up and broaden my own perspective and so I know that it is part of my responsibility as an educator to help all of my students find the tools for broadening their own perspectives and this is a wonderful way to do so in the stories that aren't usually told.
0: And and that's something that I think kids it helps them because kids experiences are even more narrow than ours for sure, sure. And that's, and that's the thing. So poetry is a great way to do that. You don't need to spend two, three days on it. You know, just pop it in there. So um, like I said, this is Javier Zamora. I'm going to read out of his book, um, Unaccompanied. Um, it's really cool. This, this, po- this book kind of walks you through his experience of when he left home and, and his travels to the U.S. He's been here for a very long time. Um, he's actually featured right now in Library of Congress as one of the, the authors that Library of Congress is celebrating. And this poem is called Seeing Your Mother Again. And it sounds, it goes like this. If you could cup your ears against all I've said, ants inside me, a disturbed mound. Mama patty. Those years you weren't there, I throw at fronds. So I drink what I've been wanting. Your 24th birthday. I bought you a coconut and carved your name because women become cracked. But no, eventually they lick us. We open our eyes, drag ourselves out of our shoe boxes. Tails down, forgiveness, is a lizard squirming. Mama Patti, feed it to me from your salt on my cheeks. I know you read all my letters, Machete's cutting husk. So he's got this really cool dreamy, like back and forth, like moment between him and his mom and leaving her behind and what she's doing, what he's experiencing. Um, there's poems in this book. Um, there's one that's really cool. It's called doctor's office. First week in this country. Um, there's, there's so many others. Uh, one about citizenship. There's such a, a lot of layers to dig through with, um, this experience. And I, I would highly recommend, um, checking out, um, Javier Zamora. Okay. I loved, I, at first when you started
1: reading, I was like, well, I'm going to start crying. And then I did a little bit and then I stopped. So that was so beautiful. Good. Uh, the last piece that we have today is from another contemporary. This is a YA author, Elizabeth Acevedo. I- Freaking love her. This is from one of her latest... Is this her very latest novel? I think it might be. Uh, Yes, yes. Her latest piece, Mm -hmm. Clap When You Land, um, which is written in verse and it goes back and forth between perspectives of two girls who are sisters but don't know it until the plot unfolds. So the very, very beginning... It begins, I know too much of mud. I know that when a street doesn't have sidewalks and water rises to flood the tile floors of your home, learning mud is learning the language of survival. I know too much of mud. How Tia will snap at you with a dish rag if you track it inside, how you need to raise the bed during hurricane season. And it goes on and on and on. And it's just like, you get a very clear picture of where this poet, not poet, what am I trying to say? Voice, no. Where the story's
0: going, the voice, Where the
1: story's going, but yeah, 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 yeah. Where this uh, character, oh my gosh, I couldn't think of the word character, is is physically where they are coming from and where they have grown up. And um, the coolest part is then it like flips, right? Like then it flips perspective and you get to see somebody else who's grown up in a completely different environment with a completely different perspective. Um, And yet they have this like really intense connection, which is a family connection. And
0: it's really cool. It's beautiful. So yeah, I I think that we've only given you guys a a little taste. (laughs) Barely scratched the surface. We just
1: wanted to jump into some things that we are really excited about right this second so that you can start seeing how and maybe like Amanda said at the beginning of the episode, maybe start hearing some ways that you can infuse just little pieces of different texts into your classroom. And I know we gear a lot of this towards ELA, but it doesn't always have to be ELA. Like there are themes that happen in all of our content areas that hearing human stories always has a place. At least that's what I think, but maybe that's what makes me an ELA teacher. so, um, once again, none of this lives in a vacuum. It's just a great time to introduce it all. And we're going to be coming back with more episodes. This is just the first in our series.
0: Yeah. And just to give you guys like a concrete example, if this helps you and then, and then we'll sign off, um, kind of to go back to what we said in the middle of the episode, if you, if you're able to structure a unit around a question, like what are, what are the forces in the universe that create my identity? You know, that's what gives you the, the, The place to say, well, your family history, your uh, relationships with your parents, um, the politics of the place where you live, the natural disasters that have impacted your family's financial status or the existence of your house. Um, And then all of a sudden you have a place for all of these different voices to enter a conversation about a question. And you don't have to feel that pressure of like doing an entire unit on something and you know, banging it, you know, over and over and over on your kids. So- well, and
1: like those of us who have had a hard time with something like essential questions, because you're trying to answer one question with one piece and a couple of articles, like one novel of Mice and Men and a few articles in a TED Talk. You're only going to get a few different responses from students because, I mean, I, I was only getting a few responses from students varied in language, but all the same answer because I was only giving them... <laughs> a couple perspectives through which to answer the question and bringing in more voices, bringing contemporary as long as well as older, not older. Well, yeah, older voices also gives students just more to work with and it like broadens the little perspectives. And when we have that moment of like, Oh my gosh, they're all answering the same way. Yeah. It's because we only gave them one way to
0: answer. (laughs) So this like absolutely solves that problem. And and I absolutely and Marie and I have talked about this a bajillion times, but we believe firmly that it is our job in our field to elevate marginalized voices. And this is one, just one way to do that is to go do the work, go do the research, look into these authors. There's a lot of authors that pop up over and over and over again because they're in, you know, public domain or they've mm-hmm. been taught forever. And there's nothing wrong with that. But it does take work and time to discover. Read, absorb, and figure out who these other authors are, what they have to offer, and how they can be a, an important voice in your classroom. So don't feel like the work has to be just in novels. Like I said, we can just be pulling passages and start with what we have for you. So head head over to bravenewteaching.com, take a look at the show notes, download what you want, join my email series, enter our giveaway, do all of these things. It's just going to help you become a more well-rounded teacher. And that's why we're here. So you don't have to do all of the work. We're giving you a couple of steps in the right direction to make life easier for you because that's why we're here, you guys. Absolutely. And the other thing that we love from you guys
1: is when you leave us reviews on iTunes because it helps us know, A, that we're on the right path, that we are giving you things that you teachers like us need. And we will keep on going in that direction. If you guys have a moment, take it. Please leave us a review and a rating on iTunes. It helps other teachers find us and join our Brave New Teaching community. And with that, we are going to have to say, we'll see you next time. Have a wonderful day and thank you for listening.